Hello everybody, welcome into episode 6 of Taking Heat. My name is Blake Holmes and I'm joined here tonight, as you can see from top to bottom, with Cameron Mulwine and Logan Porter. Jacob Underwood could not make it onto the show tonight, but as they say in the business, the show must go on. And so that is what we're doing here and today we've got a special topic for you. Uh, you notice the shirt I'm wearing is a little bit odd, it's a little bit unique and it's, it, it says a lot which is exactly what this topic for this week says, the biggest upset in sports history. Uh, this is something that I, I can say, yeah, I was the winner last week, so this is the topic I have brought forth to the table. Something is just so fun and so, so, so fulfilling to see the underdog come through and win in the biggest moments. Um, and that's exactly what we're gonna be talking about in the world of sports this week. So be sure to stick around. If you're new here and you're not familiar with how this show works, basically what we do is this is a weekly competition. Whoever wins this episode, at the end of it, we will all take our votes. We I'll spin this wheel, as you can see on the right side, for Spotify listeners. We'll spin a wheel. Whoever it lands on, they will be providing their take and their answer for this question. At the end of the episode, we will all vote. They will say, uh, you know, Logan and Cam will send their votes to me, and we will reveal them, and whoever wins will pick the topic for the next episode. So be sure to hit the like button on the YouTube channel if you're listening there, or download on Spotify, tell us and tell all your friends about us. You know, whichever platform you're listening to, we appreciate you, and we hope that you stick around. With that being said, Cam, Logan, how are y'all doing tonight? Doing pretty good, how are you, sir? Doing well. How about yourself, Logan? I'm doing great. I'm enjoying life in in the Southern Lands. Down at the beach, Logan is so a trooper for coming in and recording the episode. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump right in, so that way we don't waste too much more time. So, again, as it goes, we will spin the wheel, and whoever it lands on will be providing the first take for the episode, and it will be myself. I really need to shift up the order. It seems like I'm going first a lot right now. I'm going to have to shift the order up on the wheels. In the hey, upcoming you, you literally control the wheels, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know I control them. or I, I, I'm supposed to control them, but they're out of my control. I've lost control of the wheels, so I'm sorry to you and the listeners out there. Um, but we'll go ahead and move ahead. So my answer for this question there's a ton of different uh choices that i considered for this ep for this episode for this topic i considered one of once again um we talked and and uh, my co my co-hosts here know what i have chosen because i talk with them a little bit off the air about this but before i considered buster douglas and, and buster douglas from an odd standpoint is one of the biggest and if we had not had talked about him earlier in an episode, if you have not checked out that episode, One Hit Wonders in Sports, be sure to go back and do that. Uh, we I would have probably talked about him a little bit here. I also consider the Kentucky Derby from the past year, where it was an 80-1 to 1 odds, so it's one of those things. I consider a lot of different... Uh, a lot of different avenues, but this is one that I've had a concrete answer for for quite some time. It's one that I have been strongly uh, a proponent for, and... Put, put it simply, it's a it's a sporting event with an upset that is so big, it has a movie made about it, it's consistently known by a nickname, and it's the Miracle on Ice. Um, I know we talked a little bit last week about how we each had our theme. Well, this is the first time any of us have talked about hockey, I believe, on the show. And it's one of those things, I believe, you know, in the past year and a half, we've all been trying to get a little bit more well-versed in hockey and when it comes to the rules, when it comes to the history of it. 
And the Miracle on Isis, but the Miracle on Isis, I will say this, I knew well about this before I started doing that. That should tell you how big of a moment this is. It transcends it transcends just the sport of hockey because the Miracle on Ice is something I've known about for a very, 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 very long time. Um, I applied for an internship to Around the Horn at one point, and one of the questions we had to write an essay for was the biggest upset of all time, and this was what I wrote about. So... The Miracle on Ice, if you have not seen the movie Miracle, please go back go and watch it. It's unbelievable. But And we all know kind of the gist of what it is. But I want to go ahead and explain exactly what the Miracle on Ice meant, not only for the world of the United States, but also the world in general and just the world of hockey. As it was one of the most, not only biggest upsets, but the big, one of the biggest influential moments in sports history. So... Uh, Miracle on Ice happened in 1980. It was in the Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, New York. This was, you know, right around the Cold War, right around the, right in that time frame. I'm not going to talk too much about the political aspect of it, obviously, uh, but it is worth noting that it was during the Cold War times. Um, and so a lot of friction between the two countries. Basically, it was the United States and the Soviet Union at the time, the USSR. The Soviet Union was an absolute powerhouse. It was... Um, I mean, they, they dominated opponents. They were clear-cut best country when it comes to hockey. They had won five out of the last six Winter Olympic gold medals at that point, and they looked like they were going to steamroll their way to another one in uh, United States territory in Lake Placid. But did not quite work out that way. The United States took a little bit of a different approach with this one. Um, Coach Herb Brooks decided to go through and instead of relying on professional players and and these big time you know these seasoned professionals like the Soviets did and really anybody at that time did he took only one re returning player from the 1976 winter olympics the rest of them were completely new and a large majority of them actually were college kids average age on this united states team was 21 years old so a lot of college players on this team they were not expected to be anything spectacular. They were not expected to come out and win the gold medal by any stretch of the imagination. It was pr it, The teams that people were looking for were the USSR and then a strong second place team, a silver medal team, was either going to be Finland or Czechos Czechoslovakia. So the United States were kind of looking at a, a tough road to begin with. And they started off by turning a lot of heads. They went 4-0-1 in their group stage, uh, defeating some really good teams. Again, Czechoslovakia was one of the teams they actually defeated in the group stage. They go through, I think they, I believe the one draw was to Finland as well, a 2-2 two -two draw, and they make it to their groups. The Soviet Union, on the other hand, it wasn't even close. They went 5-0 with a goal differential of plus 40. 40 more goals scored than they had given up over those five games, including, I believe it was a 16 to nothing defeat of Japan and like a 17 to four defeat of the Netherlands. It wasn't even close. They were just having so much fun and, and dominating everybody they played. So they get through, eventually they get to the semifinals. And that's another thing. People think that this was a, uh, a gold medal match. This was not, this was to see who could get, it was a round robin style, and basically it was whoever won this game was going to be able to contend for the gold medal. So at the end of the second period, the Soviet Union was up 3-2, to two, and basically, the uh, you know, again, Herb Brooks gave this great speech. We've all seen it. We've all seen what happens in the movie Miracle. Um, 
they come out in the fourth and, and the, excuse me, in the third period, end up scoring, netting two goals pretty close to each other. And then with 10 minutes left in the period, the marathon began. Back and forth, these teams went, the U.S. playing relentless defense, the, the Soviet Union, they can't get, find the back of the net. And it all leads up to the 4-3 to three, right at the end, Al Michaels, who we all know is one of the greatest broadcasters to ever live, says the famous lines, do you believe in miracles? Yes. This was something that was seen. It was, I mean, just to be completely honest, it was asinine to think that the United States at the beginning of this tournament was going to have a chance against against the Soviet Union. And yet they pull through, they manage to take home the, uh, the to get past the Soviet Union, they end up going on to Finland or playing against Finland, winning four to two in that game. Also, while trailing after I believe it was the first period, um, they were trailing, and basically their coach again, Herb Brooks, said, "If you lose this game, you're taking it to your graves." And the United States, they pulled together. They ended up winning the gold medal in their home turf um, in New York. Again. Four to three final score against Soviet, the Soviet Union. They go on to win the gold medal against Finland, but they would not have been in that situation against Finland if it were not for the upset against the Soviet Union. Sports Illustrated ended up actually naming the Miracle on Ice as the top as the top sports moment of the 20th century. So, the top sports moment in general, I think has to take some consideration for the biggest upset and again when you take all the factors of how well the Soviet Union had been playing how little the United States they had turned a few heads going into group stage but were going out of group stage but when they got against the Soviet Union nobody was giving them a chance and yet a team of ragtag college kids basically comes through knocks off the by far and away best hockey team in the world up to that point and find a way to win the gold in 1980 Winter Olympics. Another factor you have to put in uh, to consider was um, in in the Winter Olympics. Um, even to this day, the Winter Olympics is pretty much dominated by colder countries. But back then, Russia was not only a colder country, but they were also one a big powerhouse country in the names of sports. I mean, they dominated both summer and Winter Olympics. Uh, going back to episode one, the Soviets were the favorite to win in the in gymnastics that year when USA had won. And that was their first gold medal. Um, So Russia's dominance um, was, it was a big factor. Well, Soviet Union at the time. Um, It's a big factor coming into this. And hockey, I mean, hockey was, you know, it was growing still in America. And it's still growing to this day. I mean, like like you said, we recently kind of gotten more into hockey. I, I myself had to, um, go by uh, the Hurricane Stadium to get to where I am today. Um, but uh, it's it's interesting the just the whole aspect of you know it's Soviet Russia versus America and America at the time just it it was it was a different turf going into these Winter Olympics. And not to mention once again I, the in nineteen this is nineteen eighty once again. Five out of the past six gold medals in ice hockey at the Winter Olympics were won by the Soviet Union. So it wasn't like this was a team that was really good on paper, just really good on paper. They had a history. They had a track record. And they had the reputation of being a winner. And it wasn't just a situation where the United States caught the Soviet Union on a bad day. It wasn't... or. 
it wasn't a situation to where the Soviet Union wasn't, you know, again, they didn't have that history to back up and show that they were a powerhouse. They were the powerhouse. They were one of the biggest dynasties, if not the biggest dynasty, in ice hockey Winter Olympic history. And the United States come through once again. They had Before, they had tried. They had tried with older, more experienced players. They had tried with uh, well-trained, tra- well I should say, uh, weathered vets. It didn't work. But they go through with a youthful side. This was the youngest uh, United States hockey team, average age-wise, ever. There has never been a team that has had an average age of less than what this was at 21 years old. And it just so happened to be the team that knocked off, once again, the, probably the biggest dynasty in ice hockey uh, Winter Olympic history and go on to win the gold. I just want to say, I... Uh... I really do enjoy this answer just because I'm not only a sports fan, I'm a huge history nerd. So like this game had obviously had a lot of historical aspect to it. And that's part of the reason I really just enjoy this answer because this isn't not only just like one of the best sporting events ever. It just for American sports, it just had such a big impact just moving everything forward. It just, it's, I mean, like you said, it's the miracle on ice. You can't really ask for a much better, uh, storybook ending it would be it's the equivalent of fingers crossed by the way because it's coming up here soon it's the equivalent of the united states winning the world cup i mean that's really what it felt like as far as for people a lot of people saying uh, there's quotes from that time saying that that the last 10 minutes like i talked about where they're going back and forth and the united states is clinging to that one goal lead they called it the fans in the stands and people just watching in general called it the longest 10 minutes of their lives because they were consistently keeping an eye on the clock they were wondering is this actually going to happen and it makes it again al michaels with his famous quote at the end the do you it's a long lasting memory for anybody who is just barely knowledgeable on this the do you believe in miracles Again, you don't say that if it's not something that's just so such an unbelievable result to happen. And it's something that, like I said, I've, I've held on to this for a very long time. People throw out, and I think the more popular answers for this, just because it's, it's I will say, and I, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest, I think NHL, the, the, the coverage that hockey gets by major media, media outlets is criminal. I think it should be, there should be more. Uh, so a lot of people want to point out and they want to go to, I know none of us picked this, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. A lot of people want to go to Appalachian State um, against Michigan. A lot of people want to go to Giants versus the, the Patriots. People want to go to uh, people uh, you know, sporting events along that, like alongside that because it's one of the bigger, uh, some of the bigger sports. But I think, like Cam, you alluded to, the historical aspect of it, the fact that again how how dominant the soviet union's soviet union was not only in years past but literally in the group stage a plus 40 goal differential to come in and get beat by this younger more dynamic united states team and then the united states go on to win the gold i mean it's like you said it's a storybook ending it's what it's what a good sports story it's 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 what it's all about it's got every single part of the script and i can't think of a bigger upset than the United States coming through and pulling it off against Soviet Union. Uh, to add another bit of that um, kind of that dynamic of the, of Soviets and and the Russian in sports, um, it, it reminded me of the story of uh, in the 2000 Sydney Olympics in wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, uh, when Gardner from the United States beat the Russian Bear. Uh, Carlin, and he had won, I think, six gold medals in a row 
or something like that. Um, coming into this one, he was the still the favorite to win, and just a little a little farm boy from the Midwest came out and just absolutely decimated him in the in the gold medal match. And it reminded me of that because it's it's still that same dynamic, you know. It's it's the it's these twenty one year olds from the USA <laughs> going in on the big stage. It, well, not even the big stage. This was against the number one team in the world, and it wasn't even for a gold medal. And people, people get so caught up. They, they people forget. People weren't even giving the United States really a fair chance to beat Finland at first, or, or they thought they would lose to Finland and Czechoslovakia. Not even, not they didn't even consider the Soviet Union. It was, it was more so the United States would be lucky to be fighting for the silver medal in this in the nineteen eighty uh, Olympics. But they managed to pull through. Like I said come up with the biggest upset on and, and I truly think this is probably the most famous hockey match that you could that anybody knows of just because of the implications that it meant for again like Camelot to the historical aspect but just because it's that big of an upset and I think that it cannot go unnoticed again Sports Illustrated uh, top sports moment of the 20th century I, what else is there to say I think it's a great one to start off on. It'll uh, be hard to pop it. All right. So, any other kind of arguments before I spin the wheel for the next guest, for the next co-host? Definitely not. I, I agree with Cam. I think that, that was a great one to start off on. It, it's it set a good dynamic of uh, what really underdog means. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and spin the wheel, and the person presenting. Their take next will be Logan. So Logan will be going next. Um, Logan, the floor is yours. Awesome. So we, uh, you actually kind of alluded to the one that I was going to talk about earlier. Um, so in this most recent Kentucky Derby, we had an 80-to-1-odd win from a horse named Rich Strike. And although – it is not the longest, the, the the biggest long shot to ever win the Kentucky Derby. Uh, that was in 1913 uh, with a 91 to one odds for a horse named Dunrail. Um, but Rich Strike is much closer in memory as it literally happened this year. And uh, I remember watching it. We we were playing games on a Sunday and we had it on. And when the race came on, we all got around the TV and was watching it happen. And it was, it was insane to watch. Um, so a little bit of background. Um, uh, the jockey that was uh, riding Rich Strike on that race, his name was Sonny Leon. He was from Venezuela. And after that race, he had to serve a four-day suspension for careless riding through a previous offense. Um, and apparently that was his third offense in nine months in horse racing, which is kind of crazy to think. Um, but nonetheless, that was the jockey, Sonny Leon. So Rich Strike, um, you have to get points in order to be able to go to the Kentucky Derby. And the points are based on your races, your previous performances. So coming in to the roads of the Kentucky Derby, Rich Strike had 21 points. Okay. He was in 21st place, and they take the top 20. All right, Various other horses were out for other reasons. But going into that race, literally, <laughs> Rich Strike was not going to be there until on the day of the 
um, of the deadline, Ethereal Road had to scratch. And 30 seconds before the deadline was over, Rich Strike was brought in as the 20th horse. So Rich Strike wasn't even supposed to be there, much less win it. So I alluded to earlier, he had 21 points in the road to the Kentucky Derby. Well, the favorite to win, his name was Epicenter. And he had 164 points as the favorite. So that kind of gives you a dynamic of just how far apart these horses were in terms of how they were going to perform in this race. So um, coming into it in the 20th lane, um, I believe if, if I remember correctly, watching the video, he kind of struggled to get into the box to, to initially start the race, uh, which is concerning, you know, putting a little extra effort in, trying to put a horse into its corral. Um, in the first half mile, he started, uh, he was staying in 18th place. Uh, and the, the Kentucky Derby is a mile and one-fourth um, of a mile. So that's, um, you know, so this is a significant part of the race. You know, almost half of the race, it's in 18th place. Um, it was 17 lengths behind first place, who was uh, it was a battle between Summer is Tomorrow and Crown Pride. Um, they were both 16th and 17th and 7th, respectively, um, in the previous polling. Uh, and th for those of you who don't know, uh, a ho one horse length is about eight to nine feet. Uh, so they were it's 17 of those behind. Um, and to put it into another perspective, another horse race that everyone knows is Secretariat, obviously. The Secretariat won by 31 lengths. So it's about half the distance of that. So that's a, that's a pretty far <laughs> length away from first place. It comes into the final turn. And Rich Strike, the whole time, is bobbing and weaving between horses. It's kind of a big pile. Epicenter, Summer is Tomorrow, and I believe Crown Pride still in that battle for first. When Rich Strike comes around in the straight stretch... And it's four horses wide. Um, Rich Strike was actually bumped by another horse on the way into it. Comes around the corner, and I I, I love the commentary for it when you watch the video because he says Rich Strike, and it's unbelievable to see him just go across the line. A horse that was in the twentieth lane, furthest away from the inside, and was in eighteenth place for almost half the race. And he came on to win, not the biggest odds, but the biggest odds of recent memory in the horse race um, in, in the Kentucky Derby at all. Um, 80 to 1, I, I believe they won almost $2 million off of that race alone. And before that, they had made 74000 in all the races so far. I will say this too, and I I, I love this pick, and I, I like I alluded to, I thought about this pick as well. The reason I love it so much is there's something about an underdog story and a and an upset story about a team or a person, a, a, a an individual, we'll say, that sh has no reason to be there. They, they 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 play with house money because they know they're not supposed to be there. It's the same thing, uh, and, and that's the thing, like, when it comes to famous college football upsets, you know, I mentioned Appalachian State, I think of Stanford beating USC in John Harbaugh's first year, uh, or excuse me, Jim Harbaugh's first year, 
I think of upsets all along the, that magnitude. But those teams were still there. They were they were supposed to be there. This was a scheduled thing. Rich Strike. I think of Rich Strike. I think of John Daly in the U.S. Open back forever ago, winning, winning as the I believe it was the seventh or eighth alternate in the tour. But Rich Strike being the alternate here in this case and coming in by you know as soon as the bell tolls, they get put in and the race just happy to be there. And again, playing with house money as they go through and complete which one of the hardest things to win in sports in general. That's the Kentucky Derby. And like you said, uh, I mean, an astounding amount of money earned from this one tournament compared to their career earnings. But it's just something so magical in an upset story to about a team that or a team, an individual that doesn't feel like they're supposed to be there. It's the same thing with track ups, you know, track and field upsets, uh, any kind of Olympic story where they're just happy to be there. They play with house money and they come out and they win to to the highest degree. Another thing to add, um, Rich Strike also only won by three quarters of a length. So that's that, that means there was literally a horse like a quarter of the way past like just behind i mean oh, i i just uh re-watched the video and it was i mean it was close there was it was three horses wide going final turn so i mean it wasn't it was actually kind of wild to re-watch it because he like logan had mentioned before he was just bobbing and weaving between horses and he it was a it really was kind of a miracle to watch and for those <laughs> wondering you're saying like how much of ground he that rich strike made up there at the end i'm going to equate it to a play that's been another play that's been popular in recent memory if you haven't seen it before uh the dk metcalf chase down on buddha baker yeah when buddha baker comes through and picks off a pass in the end zone it looks like he's going to score dk metcalf comes out of nowhere and tackles that's exactly what happened but on a horse track it's just it's it's something that again we we replayed the the dk metcalf play over and over for memes and jokes but this one here it was for glory, and it truly made their mark. I mean, that's that's something that the Kentucky Derby will f- remember forever. And like you said, one of the it's not the biggest odds, but one of the biggest odds ever to win an event like this. And like I alluded to earlier, it like talk uh, the broadcasting for that. Um, I uh, I love good broadcasting. I love to watch it, and I I hope to one day be a part of that. But um, it. Every time I hear it, it gives me chills. To just the excitement of it all. It, it, it honestly reminds me of the Iron Bowl where Auburn, um, Auburn <laughs> Chris, Chris, da- Chris Davis, Chris Davis. Yeah, I mean it's and you know we and I know for a fact that all of us have been in this situation because we've all actually spent a little bit of time. Cam, you had just a couple of games, but we've spent time in a broadcaster's booth for just high school sports. Imagine going through and being a broadcaster in that moment, being the guys like the Al Michaels, the Gus Johnsons, who I truly think, it exactly like you're saying, good commentary can make a play, make a game, make a moment that much better. And what else than the excitement that's in the voice as Rich Strike is coming down the final stretch it's it's breathtaking. It's something that makes the the moment that much better. And yeah, I agree. the The, the broadcasting is top notch in this video as well. And, and it all, it also you actually brought up broadcasting in an earlier episode. You're talking about Joe Buck 
Um, so we will see you tomorrow night. <laughs> David uh, Freeze. Baseball moment. It's yeah, it's, you have that. You've got such situations with Bobby Thompson and the shot hard around the world. The Giants won the pennant. The Giants won the pennant. Uh, I mean, commentators can make a sport, and maybe that's a a, t- a topic for another for another episode. The best co- best broadcaster in sports. Uh, spoiler alert: My pick will probably be Kevin Harlan, but we will figure that out if that episode ever comes around. My my pick will be my co-host Blake Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, check us out on. <laughs> I'm just messing. Uh, Cam, any other any other comment or Logan? Any last points you'd like to make before we get to Cam? Um, I don't really have anything else. Um, for and for those of you who don't know, who who may have heard of Rich Strike, um. Uh, he he didn't get to go on to be he cho- they declined to go to the next race in order to be able to uh, possibly win the triple crown. Um, so you know, I just uh, some fruit for thought. Just uh, I, I I couldn't really figure out why. I think it might have something to do with that suspension I alluded to earlier. So depending on what happens, I don't know. I'm not sure if the last race has been raced yet, has been run yet, but. Depending on what happens or happened, could have also been a good fit for the One Hit Wonder episode. Once again, if you have not checked out that episode, be sure to do so. You can get it on the Spotify page or on YouTube on the YouTube channel, Nugget Station Twenty One, or Taking Heat on Spotify. All right, so we will go ahead and spin the wheel. That's just one name on here, and it is Cam who will be revealing his last take. Cam, floor is yours. Take it away. You alluded to his last take, like he's not coming back after this one. <laughs> the last take. Sorry, uh, disclaimer: the last take of the episode. That's, I'm glad you mentioned. I'm glad you you brought that up. We're here all night. All righty. So I am going to be talking about, in my opinion, the biggest college basketball upset with UMBC beating the University of Virginia in 2018. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this is uh, the first time that a first seed has been defeated by a 16th seed. And this wasn't just like, a, this wasn't really even a close game. First half, they go into it tied. Second half, though, is an absolute beatdown. I mean, this was a team that was 20-point favorites. Uh, at one point, uh, Virginia was actually favorited by like 27 points in the game. So that's food for thought. And another interesting thing is that UMBC had lost a game previous this season by 40 points. So that's another thing is that this team was, no one obviously expected this team to win. And the part of Virginia that we're in, this or this Virginia team losing was either one of the happiest days of your life or one of the least happiest days of your life, depending on if you're a Virginia fan or not, depending on what part of a, a part of the state you root for. But, I don't know, this game to me is just like, it's wild. Obviously, it's only happened one time, so that's what makes it more incredible. But It's the second time in NCAA history, because I believe it was Princeton ended up, the Princeton women's basketball team did it in the women's college basketball tournament. But this is the only time it's ever happened in men's college basketball. Yeah, it was a 20-point game. And I will say very much it was it was a, a, a fantastic day for myself. I was, you know, you can tell by the shirt, I'm a Tennessee fan, but I'm also a, a Virginia Tech student. So it was go keys at that point. And yeah, absolutely. Watching UVA, 
The other thing that I want to go ahead and point out too was UVA was the number one seed in the entire tournament. It wasn't just they were a one seed. They were the overall number one. They had been number one for a large portion of the season, only lost three games, um, I believe. And UMBC, the only reason they were even here, it was one of those things. They they are uh, from a very small mid-major. They had to win their conference tournament. And they come through and they come on this run and they end up knocking off uh, UVA in the first round. And once again, it's just something that is astounding to think about because the UMBC Golden Retrievers come through and they, again, like you said, do something that's unheralded and men's college basketball has never been done before. And realistically, it'll happen again one day. But the fact is, the NCAA tournament, I believe off the top of my head, and, y- and y'all can fact check me on this if you want, and it's kind of dumb if I know this, but I believe the NCAA tournament started in 1939. And that is the, it took from 1939 all the way up until 2018 for a 16 seed to beat the number one seed. And it's just something that, you know, it's something that you dream of and you want to happen every single NCAA tournament, it seems like. And we retreated to that. So I, I like this pick as well. Did you say 1939? 1939, yes. That is correct. That And the first champion may have been Oregon? Um, uh, you'll have to give me some more time on that one. <laughs> the, uh, the random knowledge on us. See, I don't, I don't know why I know that off the top of my head, but I do, and it's, it's something I'm, it's a blessing and a curse because I could be filling my head with more knowledgeable things or more important things. But no, I know when the first NCAA basketball tournament was. Like Look, I got said, though, this. Uh... Sorry, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. I was, I was. Say, you're good. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Anyway, like I said, this game really wasn't even, like, close. So that's another reason that I think this is even bigger upset because they go into the half 21-21, and then UMBC puts up 53 points in the second half against this Virginia team that was defensively pretty good all year. And obviously Virginia only scores 33 points in the second half. So it's this final score 74-54. It's a 20-point win as 20-point underdog. So that's... I don't know. I think this is a real good. What's the word I'm looking for? Real. Uh, can't think of the word, so I'm just going to pass it on. I mean, it's it's also it's a knock on Tony Bennett's legacy because he was he was known and he still is known. I don't want to take anything away from him. He still is known as one of the best coaches in college basketball and really in college basketball history. But that's always going to be something he's got to live with. It doesn't matter how many games he ends up winning. It doesn't matter if he. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, again, the UVA ended up losing in the first round, and then they went on to win the championship the very next year. So uh, maybe they use this as revenge, maybe as a fuel for the next year, and Tony Bennett may have taken a little bit away from that just from winning a championship the next year, but that's something that's going to stick with the, uh, him and UVA basketball for the test for the rest of time. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, when the world's on their shoulders – UMBC getting it done in the first round. And I just fact-checked myself I was correct. Oregon defeated Ohio State in that first NCAA championship. Correct. So this this game was actually my second pick um, in case, you know, one of us came out of nowhere and had my first one. And I, this was kind of like this, – this had a big impact on me as – I was still I was in high school. This was kind of the first year I really got into making a bracket and being a part of the tournament. UVA was pretty much the favorite to win the entire tournament. 
Um, and uh, I've re- and I'm I'm not a, I'm not a UVA fan. I'm, I'm I'm a fan of good basketball. And this is the first time I ever watched a game, and I actually kind of felt sick like watching it. Like I know that's a, a weird thing to talk about, but like. I, I was I was just kind of disgusted at the basketball that was being played by UVA there. Um, and another thing that people don't talk about with this, the very next year, UVA won the championship. In 2018, the year after they lose to the 16th seed as the number one seed, they win the, the NCAA tournament, which is just, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing to think about. Um, I think that adds even more to this underdog feel. I mean, they might not have had the same guys, but like like you said, I mean, they were a defensive team. They continued that defensive presence in the year they won. And to think that they were outscored so badly against a team that was um, the 16th seed. I mean, did UMBC, did they have to uh, do a play-in game? So they had to end up they, – they didn't play in the first four, but it was – they had to go – I remember this well. They believe they're in the – and you can fact check me on this too, but I believe they're in the Atlantic 10 Conference is what it's called. And they had to go through and they had to win their conference tournament to even get here. I believe they went like – now this one I, I remember because I just saw it a few, uh, a, little, a few minutes ago. They were 21-10, and 10, I believe, was their record. And they had to go through and, like, like I said, win the conference tournament to get into this run – um, and like you said, when they win the national championship the next year, UVA goes in this remarkable run, and they look—they don't look anything near the team that had just played a year before, even though they returned a ton of players. So this upset, you can honestly say, not only is it the most famous in college basketball history at this point, but it's also could have been the reason that UVA played with such a chip on its shoulder the next year, leading to a championship. Looks like they're in the America East Conference. American East. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, I, it's it. I think that that's a good one. Um, honestly, this has been crazy to like all of these. I really like this topic uh, as underdogs. Everyone roots for an underdog. I mean, that's just how it is. My like when we watch college football, uh, I'll walk in and I'll be like, "Oh, who are you rooting for?" And it's always the person that it's either person that's not ranked playing against the ranked team or whoever has the lowest rank. I mean, <laughs> unless it's a team they really despise, that's how my family's always been. It's it's always something about seeing a, an upset. It's funny because it's called an upset, but it really only upsets the fans of the team, the higher seed, right. because everybody else loves it. I mean, it's chaos, and that's what we we cheer for as sports fans. And so, unless you have an attachment to the team that's losing, you always look to root for the underdog. Cam, any last uh, remarks or points you'd like to make before we get to the voting? Or Logan, you have any other counterpoints? comment earlier about them losing a game by 40 i'd figured out the game if they had lost to albany 83 to 39 earlier in that season so that was the game i was referring to so they had actually ended up losing by um 44 points so that's another thing to add on to this team really turning it around and the thing is too see albany wasn't yeah they're not a powerhouse program it'd be one thing if they went in and they lost um, if they were if they were playing some of the big, you know, a perfect example is in this area that we're living at, that we all live in, Radford, for example. They go and they play a bunch of uh, Power Five schools. They go and they get most of the time they get beat up, 
and they go and they play the Texases, they play Virginia Tech, they'll go play, recently they've played like Vanderbilt and things like that. This wasn't, uh, you know, UMBC wasn't going to play Duke or Kentucky and get a beat by 44. This was a lower level, you know, on level school as far as their notoriety. And like you said, resiliency to come back and get back to form before pulling off what is, in my opinion, the biggest upset or the most famous upset in college basketball. Logan, any other counterpoints? I don't think I have any. Uh, just great pick. Um, there's not much. I mean, the upset season is basically the the NCAA tournament, and you you can't beat an upset like that, especially since it's the only one in history. If it happens a couple more times, then you know, then we can debate about it. You know, what's the crazier upset? But I mean, honestly, given the circumstances that they win the next season. I, I don't think you can beat that, honestly. Don't listen to people who say that Christmas is the most wonderful time of year, the year. March Madness is the most wonderful time of the year, and I will die on that hill. It is a, a wonderful time as a sports fan um, because, like you said, it's chaos. It There's so many things. There's so many factors that go into it. But even in that chaotic mess that is March Madness, for this to only have happened one time, in college basketball history is just something that's crazy to think about and definitely, again, is one of the bigger upsets in not only college basketball history but in sports history. So, with that being said, to refresh everybody on what what each of us picked, I have decided to choose the Miracle on Ice as the biggest upset. Logan goes with Rich Strike in the Kentucky Derby and Cam goes with UMBC knocking off UVA in 2018. So, with that being said, Logan, Cam, if I could go ahead and get your votes sent in to me. Uh, for those of you, again, that are new here, what I have is I have this uh, wheel on the right side. And I'm going to be spinning it, and whoever's name it lands on, I will reveal their vote. From there, we will go, and they can explain why they chose who they did. At the end, whoever has the most votes will be crowned champion of the episode. So... We will go ahead and start it off. The first vote to be revealed will be Logan. So, Alrighty. Logan's vote that he has sent to me is myself. Logan, why did you choose? What was it about the Miracle on Ice that made you choose as the biggest upset? So, I, I, I'm i kind of a sucker for Olympic sports. I mean, in, in USA... Um, the Olympics are kind of a dying thing. I mean, there are people that watch it every year, but it it has done poorly in broadcasting in recent years. And I've always I've always liked stories like that. I mean, in the first episode, I talked about uh, the Olympics in gymnastics, and you know, I, I like hearing the story of uh, of the, that as I talked about earlier, the the American wrestler that had beaten the Russian bear who had dominated in wrestling for the past six Olympics and come on to win. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of great stories to come out of it. And, um, you know, as, as a citizen of the United States of America, I like watching the United States win. I mean, there are people that I root for on other sides. I mean, when Usain Bolt was racing, uh, it was amazing to watch. Uh, just, you know, the greatest in his sport racing like that, you know, but 
as an American, I mean the Amer- the miracle on ice in the Olymp- in the Olympics, Winter Olympics, where it's you know it was kind of hard for us uh, at the time. We were struggling with um, winter sports in general, just to come out there with a, a ragtag team of twenty one year olds and be able to win against the top dog. I think that just takes the edge and. It's nothing against Cam's pick because UMBC, that was one I picked myself. It's just Miracle on Ice is just a whole different ball game. I mean, the the reason it's there's a reason it's called the Miracle on Ice, and it's a moment that's I think revered not only in sports history but in American history. And again, people who are just barely familiar with hockey, they know about the Miracle on Ice. Spinning the wheel and revealing their vote next, it will be Cam. So, Cam, I will be accessing your vote here on Discord. I have it on my phone here, and the vote is myself. So, I it is a second vote for me as well, and that does go ahead and secure the the week. Um, but I will go ahead and ask Cam for any other reason uh, why you choose Miracle on Ice. Honestly, I think it's regarded as the biggest upset in sports history. I'll be honest. Like, I think it's definitely number one. So that's the reason I had to vote for it. I, uh, like we had mentioned earlier, just the historical aspects, the other biggest reason I voted for this. Obviously, like, this game had a lot bigger meaning than just the United States beating the Soviet Union in a hockey game. This meant more than just that. This was... Uh, it was just one of the biggest games ever played, and obviously, I just I think it's the biggest upset. So I I just got to congratulate you on the on the win and good pick. Again, a major moment in American sports history and really just in Olympic sports history. It's something that will go down. Uh, I think again, the most famous hockey game ever played, and it's something that you know again. Do you believe in miracles? Such a powerful quote, a powerful, like Logan was talking about earlier, just how well the commentating, Al Michaels is one of the most, one of the most beloved broadcasters in sports history. And for him to be able to make that quote in that moment, it's something that just, it it gets me every time. I love watching it. I love every minute of it. And that's why I made the choice I did. Spinning the wheel. Okay. It's going to land on me. So um, again, this vote, Either way, uh, I will go ahead and say this. And I say this, and I think this is a good sign because I say this after almost every show or episode we record now. This might be the hardest choice I've had to make. Uh, and it's because I there's so much I love about both of these picks. Cam, I love the, 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 the aspect of UMBC struggling early part of the season. They seem like they come through, they win the conference tournament, and they do something that hasn't been done in however long it was. It's just something that's unbelievable. And then with Logan, of course, something about Rich Strike coming in, being an alternate, not even really supposed to be here, and yet he's here, he's running the race, and he's managing to pull off the biggest biggest upsets on the biggest stage. It's completely out of the blue, and it's it's just, again, same thing as Cam's, just something that you don't expect, and it's just crazy to see. But at the end of the day, I have to li- I have to choose one. And with that being said, as, as hard as it is to choose against the other one, I have to go with Logan's. And it's because, like I said, the, the fact that Rich Strike 
wasn't even supposed to be in the race. UMBC, again, you know, they struggled in the early part of the season, but they managed to rebound. And clearly, if you win your conference tournament, you know you have punched your ticket. You deserve to be there. Rich Strike, on the other hand, it was a stroke of luck. It was, like you said, 30 seconds left before the deadline. They get put in just scrambling around. They're not supposed to be here. They're playing with house money, and they go and they play like they've been there before. They play like a master at work. Um, they race, and it's just a crazy thing to think about. And now, it is unfortunate they were not able. I believe the next one is Belmont after, because it goes Kentucky Derby, yes. Belmont, and Preakness after that. Um, they didn't get to go to Belmont, which is so unfortunate, because we would have loved to see if Rich Strike could pull it off again. But just the moment in itself, coming in when they were not expected, when they weren't even supposed to be there, and taking home the championship on the grandest stage. I can't think of a bigger upset than that. An 80 to 1 odds. Um, for reference, once again, for those of you that aren't familiar with odds and how that works, in gambling odds, if you bet $1 on that horse, you would win $80 back. So just an unbelievable thing. Some of the longest odds in general in sports history to come back and win. And it's a story that Again, as far as the story, the history of the, the Kentucky Derby will be one that will be remembered for a long time, much like John Daly in the PGA. Uh, something that I want to add real quick, because I just remembered. Um, we were talking about that 30-second deadline, away from the deadline. Uh, the, the trainer for the horse, for Rich Strike, uh, had said afterwards, after they had won, that he was about to put him in another a different race. <laughs> and uh, like before they put him in the Kentucky Derby, so he said he would have he would have had to have sh- shot his foot if if he had put him in another race after, especially you know twenty uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but after winning the Kentucky Derby, it's a moment. It's it that's again one of the hardest things to do with sports, just in general, to win the Kentucky Derby. But like I said, this was. I think, again, it's a good sign if it's getting harder and harder to pick, but this was the hardest because I love, I do love UNBC. I love the, the the comeback story of them struggling early part of the season. They come through, they get it together. 21-10 and 10 team goes up not only to make the, the tournament, but plays against the number one overall seed in the entire tournament and not only wins, but dominates in the second half. It was so much fun to watch. I And it's one of those things, Logan, you said it was making you sick watching UVA, but Honestly, I was I loved it because you saw such beautiful basketball and such beautiful shot making ability from UMBC, a team that oh I agree a team I agree with that. a team that was so so uh, praised for their defense and they weren't playing bad defense necessarily on UMBC just UMBC making shots coming through making the bigger moments count when the spotlight is shining brightest. It's so hard, but again, just for the drama of Rich Strike's not supposed to be here, he's a last-second addition, and he comes through and wins by the slimmest of margins. It's one of the most exciting things to ever see. This is something we talked about when we're broadcasting for the radio, but um, UMBC in that moment, it was like it was like a it was like a team that had not won a single game all season, going into the last game of the season against the champion the the championship contenders. It's <laughs> you got nothing to lose. You know you'll probably lose, but I would I would rather play another championship caliber team than play a team whose last game of the season 
and they haven't won a single one yet. It's always exactly. It's one of those things to where it's it's the way I always describe it, or I like to describe it. I don't I don't believe I've described it like this on the air, but it's almost like you're playing against a team that's really good, but that team that hasn't lost, they're like a wounded animal. It's one of those things that they're, they're or they're a starving animal. They're trying to get that that food. They're trying to get that one win uh, because that one win can do can. can help morale a lot for your remaining games and for the next season for the younger guys plus you can get the your upperclassmen things like that out on a good note yeah exactly uva and i think this tournament this game made number one seeds focus more on 16 because before 16 seeds were very overlooked because they couldn't touch the one seeds now 16 seeds are looked at and they are going to be planned for a lot better than they have in the past because of UMBC. So UMBC in some ways changed the game of college basketball. So that is going to do it for episode six of Taking Heat. I have uh, reclaimed the champion, the, the title again this week, and we will be making sure to, uh, I will be presenting the topic next week as well. We will see if Jacob Underwood can join us uh, next week. And, and things like that get back on track but if you like what you heard be sure to hit the like button on the youtube video hit the subscribe button if you haven't already in the youtube channel as well as subscribe to the podcast on spotify if you're listening on spotify be sure to spread the word let people know about us and we would really appreciate it cam logan any other comments to make before we sign off i think we had another good episode honestly this topic there were so many different answers so I think this is just another week where people can really tell uh, what kind of interest we have. And as you have mentioned in previous episodes, really like how we see sports differently. Logan, any other responses? I'm ready for next week. I'll tell you that. I'll be back home. So uh, I'll have I'll have my equipment with me. I'll be able to I'll be better prepared. I mean, <laughs> I, I only had a piece of paper with me today. I, I didn't have any ways other than my phone to look up stuff so logan will be back in his home territory as always too if you're listening on the if you're watching on the youtube channel be sure to let me know let us know down in the comments who you think is the biggest upset in sports history if you if we didn't talk about one that you want to talk about let us know down in the comments and if you'd like to suggest topics or potentially be on the show let us know down in the comments we will take that into consideration for future episodes but with that being said that's going to do it for us for this week once again you can expect uh another episode up next week with a new topic that i'll be bringing to the table so if you don't want to miss that subscribe to the youtube channel subscribe to the spotify podcast let us know if you want to see us on any other podcast platforms and that's gonna do it so for my co-hosts cameron woolwine logan porter my name is blake holmes once again thank you for tuning in and checking out the episode this week and we will see y'all next week have a great week